But but my point is. <laughs> Sorry, you're gonna have to cut a lot of this because we're unless people just like being on the journey of our minds that tonight are just... a stream of consciousness a duet. <laughs> <laughs> thinking about this week is like the the middle the muddle the muddle in the middle um judy jordan talks about the mystery uncertainty and doubt is the mud and then she says she invites you into the mud to explore like the messy parts which is one of the reasons that we had our little tagline which is welcome to my racist friend a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that helps us grow together. I'm Don Griffin. And I'm Amy McKeese. And that was so smooth. Yeah. And we're here. <laughs> we're here in the mud. Well, that's what we've been talking about a lot um, in our family, actually. Yeah. Is it noble or ethical to participate in a system that you believe is wrong to try to change that system? Everyone can't protest the same way. You know, and if you're not, if no one is at the table, if no one at the table is saying things that you would like them to say, then then who are you talking to? You're, you're speaking to the choir. You're talking to the same people that believe in the same things that you do. And you don't, you don't give anybody a chance to hear what you're saying. Maybe everybody isn't in the mud. Maybe there's people... I think you need certain people to get in the mud that handle the messy things. I think if you're not in the mud, you're missing something. I think if you're completely certain about what you're doing... Then you don't know. You you need to push yourself, because I think all of us need to be uncomfortable. Yep. I've also been thinking, like, is there any point in even having conversations on social media about this particularly because I just it never seems to go how I want it to go um but how do you want it to go it never it's never gonna go how we always want it to go we have I don't I just don't want to be persuaded I don't want to I don't want to argue with someone who's trying to get me to think something and and the conversations on Facebook are pretty much Here's what I think. Even when they're really nice, they're still, here's what I think, and I'd like to sort of bring you along with me. And I do that, too. I post things. I sit there, and I think, hmm, how can I phrase this just right so that people will agree with me or think I'm smart or, like... But, I, you know, I think we're missing out when we do that. I The halftime show... Yeah, I wrote that down. I wanted to talk about that. Has, has I mean, that's the most talked about thing ever. Okay, so I didn't see it. Okay. So tell me what, what I missed. Happened. So what happened is Shakira uh-huh. and J-Lo, uh-huh. uh, Jennifer, uh, they went ahead and performed for the halftime show. Uh-huh. If you know those two ladies, yes, they're known for their ability to dance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Shakira does her thing with the belly and 
J-Lo is kind of known for her derriere, and she's very proud of that. For her derriere. That's her what derriere. my dad used to say. She is proud of that. <laughs> and so, and, and what's interesting, you know, both are uh, of Latina descent, but also Lebanese. So that's where Shakira gets her whole, her dad was, was from Lebanon. Uh-huh. And the skill that these ladies yeah. did yeah. was, I mean, was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. But of course, you had certain folks out there saying, you had people on the far right saying, this is terrible. I can't believe it. You should have warned us about it because it was not family friendly. Like we had a lot of that crap, a lot of that, that, that we need to take our, our uh, Super Bowl back. White folks have a tendency, or a certain group of white folks have a tendency to uh, dis- dislike the NFL anyway because they think I think they think that the brown people are are either making too much money. They didn't mind them making money, but now that they have a voice, like the whole kneeling thing, right, right, the kneeling know. thing, I would think of as uh, white people distrust change in the NFL. They Not dis- that white people don't like the NFL. Well, but the NFL before, you have to understand, they, when they finally decided to allow black people to play, right, there still was certain, there still was a certain plantation politics in play in the mm-hmm. sense that if you, if you have the, the, the owners of the NFL all white, Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, we have a trading day. We have the signing day. We so so in in essence, it's almost it's almost a duplicate of sla- uh, of being on the auction block block for slavery. They expect these grown ass men. I mean, they subject their body to a lot. Most of these guys, they don't have a. I forget. I think it's like it's less than three years in their career. Less than three years. You know, we think that they're making all this money, but you got to remember that's money for their lifetime. Yeah, and, no, and I, most of them can't walk afterwards. Yeah, I'm not begrudging them money at all, and, and I'm not I, ta- I'm not taking up for them either. Right, and I, I it's the things that I dislike about the NFL have a lot more to do with the white owners and the. I guess where I was getting stuck was the idea that white people don't like the NFL because, like, the people that I know that are sitting around watching football are. Pretty much white. Pretty much white. And the ones that can afford the. I guess so are the people the, watching Downton Abbey. But but oh but they they they're up they were upset because the athletes, the African American athletes were taking or have been taking stands and they're like just yes. play yes. ball. Yeah, just do what we I tell you to do. Just do what we yeah. tell you. You know, you're getting paid millions of dollars. Shut up and just run the ball, you. Whatever. So go back to tell me about oh, the dancing. Oh, oh, no, I'm, we're in the NFL now, dang nabbit. <laughs> the dancing. Okay, I'm, okay, I'm going to get back to the dancing. I'm going to get back to this. But, but right. okay, so so you got that. You know, but there's always things that that black athletes are not allowed to do. Like, they're not. That's, that's why we don't have a lot of African-American head coaches that yeah. are highly qualified, right? As well as. Up until now, very few African American quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, I did. Know and that. now, and 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 so the guy that won last night, he's African American. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and he's only twenty four. Is he twenty three or twenty four? He's amazing. 
Wow, I didn't know that. He's amazing. So, you know, that's getting out of the top 10 quarterbacks this last year. Five of them were African-American. It's starting to change, you know? And I think him doing that, plus you tie in the fact that the the halftime show was ran and designed by two women of color who had, I feel, they, they, they put their culture on display. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people will say, okay, it, it was sexist. It's fun. I drove to Chicago and I um, I can't listen to the phone while it's charging. So I, when the phone was charging, I was just playing around with the different mm-hmm. um, radio stations. And I found like, <laughs> I found a, a sort of an extreme station. Oh, Lord. Like the okay. first time I found it, it was this guy on there talking about how Christians need to talk more about hell because we're not making it very clear that everybody's going to burn in hell. Nice. Okay. Um, and 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 then when I came back to him later, it was the same voice talking about the times of um, Moses, and he's like, and nobody knows about the times of Moses, but they were having sex all over each other. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like having sex all over each other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he does either. <laughs> but then this morning, when my phone ran out of battery, I was driving by that same place, so I put on the radio, and mm. it was some woman explaining how she needed to help her daughter reclaim her modesty um, because of dancing. Oh, my God. Right? And it was awful. Like, I was seeing this poor girl, like, the shame that that was coming through with, you know, I'm opposed to sexualizing young people. Mm -hmm. But I've seen, like, dancing done really well that doesn't do that. And as they get older... It looks sexy. That's just sort of what it, I think, does. And I'm not... I'm listening. Well, I, just, I don't think it's... I don't think young women dancing sexy is sexist. I think objectifying them and blaming them for rape culture There is. we go. There we go. That's yeah. what I was getting at. Yeah. Why can't a woman dance? Yes. Why can't they dance like they want without someone shaming them and saying... You are dancing way too provocative. Yes. You know, you're, we're putting the onus on the woman, which is just like, like, are, are you kidding me that, that it's their fault? It's their fault that you feel this way about the, That's not yeah. their problem. But it was funny. I, I, we, I saw both sides because I have. I, I, saw your, I saw on your page. I, I have friends that are conservative, so they're yeah, like saying, yeah, they're <laughs> like saying, oh, that's a terrible show. And I'm like, no, it isn't. This is what I saw. I saw two uh, uh, women of I, color, I you know, powerful yeah. women of color, because these are not, these are stars, especially Shakira, are internationally like yeah. all that in a bag of chips, you know? Yep. <laughs> you like all that, that in a bag of chips. All that in a bag of chips. <laughs> and so they they commanded the 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 stage. I mean, it, right. um and I think it was also I think some some of the critiques that are out there this is an example of like a double whammy because it's not just sexist, it's racist. Right? As well. Yes. You know, that's and and actually so what I jotted down while we were talking okay. is I've got this article about Sarah Dye in front of me. Only part of it, because my mom's dog really didn't like it. 
and ate okay. a lot of it. <laughs> but anyway, part of the conversation here and the way this article is written, I, I jotted down like a few things like, I, I don't know if they started teaching journalism differently now, but like the thing that they taught us in, in high school newspaper journalism was that you weren't supposed to use adjectives. You couldn't, you sh weren't supposed to like editorialize things unless you had, like you couldn't call something beautiful because beauty is in the Subjective. eye of the beholder, yep, right? Yep. So you couldn't do that unless you were quoting someone or you had some way of measuring beauty. But this, I jotted down like, uh, let's see, we've got her vegetables resembled still life paintings. What the hell? That is seriously a sentence in here. What the hell? Um, her shiny eggplants. What the hell? Um, and part of the part of the thing about this is that she presents herself as the sort of model white mother mm -hmm. figure. Mm -hmm. Like she's clearly not a virgin because she's got kids. Yeah, but, but she's married now. But too, she's to a married guy. and she's wholesome. The it's that trope like she would never and part of the reason she would never dance you know sexy <laughs> is because she's this white farmer woman because of the image of who she is mm -hmm. and th that is definitely something that's woven into the critiques of the halftime show we're gonna mix them up yeah that's what i'm Gosh, saying is that they go together it all look, goes together look what we're doing ladies and gentlemen <laughs> go on this journey with us <laughs> Because we are that incredible. We, we may have just already done it. Now we're done. We and they're did. like, here we are. And we're like, sorry. Oh, how awesome. But you're right. Yeah, it all it all goes together. That's what they would love. They would love to see... Uh, someone was quote, saying um, they would love to see Sarah die as a halftime show as opposed to <laughs> these folks. <laughs> this is more wholesome to them than... Right? It would be the... Um, what? Oh, what is she playing? Her gourds? No. What? No, like the. Uh, I bet they're Viking dances of some sort. Or uh, what's Viking the one dances? where they used to do the dance? Or they put their hold their hands on the side, their arms to the side, and they do river yes. dance. Yes. Yes. They do that on the Wiggles, and it's very lovely. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to diss the. Okay, don't diss dance. the river dance. They were getting this from both sides. They were getting hate from both sides from some feminists. But then they were getting it from the right-winged people saying, you know, bring back Charlie Daniels in a marching band. Like, really? Have you read about <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Daniels as a, are you kidding me right now? And so I, you know, getting back to like agreeing with people, I've been on there saying, no, I enjoyed the show mm -hmm. and, and uh, this is why I loved it. And then people are like, oh. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe that does make sense. So this is comes to the root of actually what I was starting to talk about earlier with the conversations about can you work from inside the system and do it like can you can you be moderate and fight for change like like what what defines a feminist what defines a good person what defi like all of these different things that we want to be like there've been conversations where people have described what makes a feminist to me that I've been like but that's not like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that feminist. Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to celebrate other people that are under a lot more discrimination and implicit bias and just flat out racism. 
then, you know, then I, because I don't have any of that going on with me. If I'm a feminist, I am first looking to lift up other women, all, all other women. And it's not my job. Part of what I argue for as a feminist is that it's not my job to tell other women what they do with their bodies. Like how they want to celebrate their bodies is up to them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I enjoy watching people dance. I enjoy watching sexy people dance. And it's okay to be a feminist who loves being feminine. Yes, you can also be a feminist who enjoys nail polish. I can't remember what I read. I read, you know, I fall into these holes and read things. I don't know what it was, but it was something where it was someone was like, I'm a feminist. And it was something that was looking exactly at just sexism alone as though it's the only thing that exists. And in doing so, it'd be like if I'm walking uh, on this very narrow ledge and lots of other women are walking on it and i'm saying you know for for me to be safe i have to focus on my feminism you know what it's like to be a white woman and in doing so i'm like barreling down the middle of this very narrow place and knocking everyone else off Hmm. and that's and that's what it felt like and i don't when I, when I read this, and I honestly, I don't even remember what it was about. I just remember thinking, ugh. Like, this is something that people read and go, this is what feminists do. I know another example was that <laughs> my son had, he came with, a, with resources to our conversation about uh, politics. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Including an image of, uh, so uh, my sister went to see Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Because she likes to go on these weekend trips, and she's like, "Oh, here's this weird place. I'm gonna go see that." Yeah. Um, and that started like this whole. She turned out to be pretty bummed about it when she gave it a second thought and started realizing like what it was and the history of it and how really awful mm-hmm. it is. And and we had some interesting family conversations about it. And um, she made it though to see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it, and and like I said, it was a. Bummer. And I, and I think she came out of it thinking differently. I was traumatized by the, the drive up. There. You went to see Mount Rushmore? Well, as a child. As, you know, you, you're in the back of the car with your parents. I'm not, but, you know. Why? Because why it was Mount, Mount Rushmore. And we were in it, it, Nebraska. It was, I mean, why do you Big go see faces. anything? I, I you know, know I, I've never seen the Statue of Liberty. And I've been to New York I don't know how many times. I've seen that. We almost lost our oldest... <laughs> they were like three years old. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and, and they just ran off, and it was right after nine eleven, so they had lots of rules. And, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. But but anyway, um, one of the things that my oldest brought to our conversation was a picture of a T-shirt that was Mount Rushmore, only it was Hillary Clinton, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Elizabeth Warren, and Michelle Obama. Okay. And it said Mount Nasty. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, as like a... Na- oh, nasty like I've got women my nasty like, women. Yeah, okay. In a positive way. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, I like that. But completely missing the point of Mount Rushmore. Ba- basically saying, here's this horrible thing. It would be much better if women were on it instead. <laughs> Which yeah. is like so far away from the point, it's not even in the same 
mm-hmm. state. So I guess that's that's what I'm trying to talk you about. You need to explain to us the negativity behind the Mount Rushmore. I really don't know. Maybe I, I, I was well, trying to act smart, but it I'm sounds not worse than... I want to hear it. Hear it. I'm not an expert on it. Okay. Um, and maybe we can like put a resource or something. Yeah, it wasn't our land in what? the first place. Are you kidding me? Well, nothing here was our land, <laughs> oh, well, to be that's clear. True. But oh, we we defaced a a sacred place. It just sounds boring to me. Like it sounds the... like something you would just drive to and look at, and then. That's about it. I mean, it is, but it's kind of like the the Gateway Arch. Even though I would never go in that thing ever again. I mean, I was up there, and it's. At the, it's basically a trailer, a trailer suspended, right? By two it, it things on the, the side. Like, oh bit. my yeah. god! You're <laughs> sitting there. I'm like, never, never again. Right. I have nightmares about going up on that little elevator that goes. Yes, it was bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whew. Um. You have to be able to look. You can't go. I. You can't say I'm just coming at this from a feminist point of view. I see. Because you have to be, like interrogating your whiteness while you're doing it like especially the white women who do this you don't have to if you're not white <laughs> well I, I can try you, you can try too sure yes i but i was totally surprised and then i read one comment that i just assumed because i think i don't i don't go on very often anymore and when i do i just look at people i like because i don't want to get all mm-hmm. horked up and so i'm used to like going to yours and sometimes there'll be like some interesting trauma over there but but usually it's people that like you a lot and talking about cool things and well, i've been trying to cut out all, all the uh, trump supporters to be honest with oh you. have you yes yes because oh, once you get that. to five thousand, they you can't get any more they won't allow you to friend anybody else you've maxed out your friends no i keep taking it's funny every day i'm taking people out now i see yeah so i, I keep taking people out Uh-oh. you know because then you, they can nervous only, huh i'm telling the people that are your friends to be nervous Oh, but those people are not listening to this podcast, I doubt. Okay. The people that are going to get taken out, I imagine. <laughs> or I've probably lost a few today with, you know, anything that I've said about the halftime show or anything, you know, any posting that I had, you you know. I thought you were pretty respectful Was in, in how you said it. Yeah, you said what you saw. You did it, like, I think the way to do it, man. You said, I saw okay. two strong beautiful women doing their thing or whatever you said but it, it was your experience that you were sharing you weren't like trying to yeah I, it, it wasn't shamey like i don't i don't think you were shaming the person i think you were saying here's another way to look at it maybe you should try <laughs> yeah um okay well i mean honestly i don't i mean on that uh, on sp- speaking our minds i think we have to, we we have to do better than that I mean, we have to well, and what you're doing there is the example of some of the stuff we started talking about last week as well. When when you when you witness mm-hmm. racism in action, being able to make some space around it so that there's room to move. Because I keep touching the newspaper because I've got this article in front of me about Sarah Dye. And one of the questions in it and one of the questions that keeps getting asked is how come no one will sit down and talk with her? And... Um, and there's several answers to that. You know, one being that people did at the beginning have, of all this. Yes. You know, this is not a brand new spanking thing. No. It's people have done that. People who care about her have tried. Um, so so saying that is 
sort of like when you're walking in on a big problem solving session and they've been working for a month and you walk in and you're like, okay, did you try unplugging it? Yeah. And remember for months she didn't answer it. She didn't answer whether or not this is her belief. She, she hid from that for months. Right, so there must be some shame with it. There was until she realized that she had a following. Yeah. And that that could actually make her money. She's not coming back, folks. She's making too much money doing it the other way, being a a mouthpiece for Satan. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry. You should be on that radio show. Mouthpiece for Satan. So it doesn't make sense to me to, at this point in in how things have gone, to sit down and and talk with her because I can read this two full newspaper pages. Like, this is such a long story. Well, after this puff piece, why would she ever... I mean, this is ridiculous. This, this paper... And someone said, uh, and it's a person I respect, she said, she said, Don, I don't want to... I don't want to give up our free press. You know, this is this, this is isn't free. free press. I said it's not free. I said it's already bought and paid for by a right lean leaning uh, corporation, and yeah. so it's not free anymore. Yeah, this is not free press. This is pretend. This is like this is not. No. I, I think um, like my story on Cabbage Patch Dolls as a teenager was much better. This is and I thought, I, as far as being objective. Like I didn't call the Cabbage Patch Dolls creepy little Munchkin things, shiny. I, I can I can I yeah I think we should boycott the paper, oh, and, I, and yeah, I, I think we it, not just boycott. So so people have said, oh I've stopped I've stopped. Uh, I don't think well, that's it. I think it's uh, advertisers. It's yeah. the advertisers. That's where they make all their money. It's not th- that you stop the subscription. I've stopped my subscription. They don't care because there's people that print newspapers for free because they're making money on the on the advertising right. dollars, yeah. and so. Uh, uh, you know, and, and it's funny, several groups have gone ahead and already have printed out. There's actually a printout of all the advertisers. I saw that. You saw that already? Yes. Yeah. So if, if uh, I don't think it would be right to just stop using the people that are advertising in the paper because they may not know what we're doing. But I think we let them know. Phone calls. Phone calls and say, hey, you know what? We're going to give you two weeks. um, Give you whatever. But after that, we got to, you know, if we see you in the paper, I think we need to stop. Because this is what we don't like. And there are sources in Bloomington. Like the Limestone Press has been doing um, some good work. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's not just this, though. It's not... That's what what we got to get at. It's not just this. This is... But since they've been bought by this new company, the editorials have been a lot more uh, uh, scathing towards liberals and and progressives. The the cartoons have been uh, abusive and awful... Uh, and then we have pieces like this that uh, that basically it, it's almost like they're they're making fun of who what Bloomington either they they're making fun of who Bloomington is or they don't they don't give a damn yeah you know and they're just pushing things in there that 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 don't support how we are locally I'm through with it unless they change and the only way to get them to change is if they stop making money so. So the thing that I, the, one of the things I wanted to get at from this article is they talk about how 
Um, you know, people wouldn't talk with Sarah and wouldn't come together to do that. And then the the name of that little sub piece of that section in the story is No Middle Ground. And what? right. And so it makes it sound like the appropriate middle ground in this case would be to for us to take a little bit of the white supremacy and for her to take a little bit of not white supremacy. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what what. So maybe not not want to kill people of color and Jewish folks, right. but just hate them. Right. Just And then that's going to be fine. Just like white people better. I even. see. Yeah. A lot better. <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> but so that's where I think the mud is right now. Is not that, that the, and that's a false thing. Like that's not the middle. That's That's bullshit. Bullshit. What the middle is is when we have these conversations with the the paradox between me saying that my friend would have really liked you and that you would have really liked him, I think, because I think that's true. I was also thinking that there was an African-American man that walked with us a lot of mornings until he hurt his ankle. And I don't think my friend said different things around him than he did around me because it was never like uh, he didn't break any societal rules. Mm-hmm. It was just assumptions. And so that's where I think I have room to make a difference. Like, like I, I can actually get in there with that and, and ask questions about those. You know. And, and I think that's where we talk about a middle ground. Like, if I have a friend who, who is saying, I just don't understand why they're picking on this woman who has three kids. Can you tell me more? Then instead of me, like, jumping down her throat, mm-hmm. I can say, you know, I know a lot about this. Um, do you want me to point you towards some resources? Or I could even say, you know, one of the things that really hit me hard at the very beginning of this was reading that one of the other people had said about Sarah and about how kind and pretty and wa-la-la she is, that she's the, the nice face of the white supremacy movement. Mm-hmm. And they show, them, they show the public that face and then boom goes the oven door. And that was the phrase. Boom goes the oven door. Right. And so when I read this and I think they're they're laughing about. They know exactly how to play it. They've got lawyer. Right. So I can say that to my friend. And I and actually I have said that to people who are like, I don't I don't really get it. Like if they're not doing it at the market, what does it matter? And the point is, like, they don't do it that way anymore. Like, it's a different ballgame and they're winning. I don't think (laughs) they didn't do it back then. We have to realize that that Germany was a a democracy or a republic. Yeah. It back then it wasn't like th- those weren't evil people to begin with. I think we think of it as being like a long time ago, and it really wasn't that long ago. And the same things that that we're seeing now that was happening in the early nineteen thirties. 1934, 1934, this same kind of, just a little bit, just a tiny bit, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. and, and, and all of a sudden that things get normalized, like everything that's happening right now, the stuff that, the times that we're living in are freaking bizarro world things that are going on. It's not on. normal. It's that's not important. normal. Yeah. And our kids, our, 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 our grandkids are going to be asking us, how do you guys let this happen? Yeah. They're going to ask us about this because it's the stuff that's going on is crazy. So how did we, how do we let it happen? Like, I don't, 
Um, and that's, you know, again. How did we let it happen? I I don't know. Maybe we weren't listening because it wasn't happening to us. Oh, I think that definitely is a problem with white feminism. Like, I think a lot of us didn't see, didn't really see it. Not just you. Not just you. People of color. Black African Americans. I'll tell you what. After after 9-11, we were so... We were actually a little bit giddy in the sense that now we weren't being the ones profiled the most. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We weren't alone anymore. That we could go into places and it wasn't, all the focus wasn't on us. And I don't Maybe mean you to say it. a little step. Yeah. I, and I don't mean it say, saying giddy, but it was a thing. It was like, wait a minute, we're not on the, we're, we're, we're not, it's not affecting us. Mm-hmm. Do you it know? It felt different. It felt different. And, and I think we just needed a break from it not being on us. All of a sudden, it was you had people also talking about losing their jobs. So then you had the, the Mexicans. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You had Mexican folks uh, or people of more brown people were being marginalized. Uh-huh. You know, e- even um, the Indian folks who were in the hospitality industry, they were getting... Oh, yeah. You know, pe- people were getting upset with it. A lot of them actually had to invest in other things. Because at one point in time, it, it was they they were they were at something like sixty percent of hospitality industry here in the United States, but they were getting pushback after nine eleven because people are ignorant and they just any person that is you know slightly brown is they're all the same you know right, what I mean right but we were letting this shit happen. Mm-hmm. Think about AIDS. So yeah. all of a sudden, we gay folks were being persecuted, and we kind of mm-hmm. let. We we let each other get bullied, and I think we were just all so happy when it wasn't being focused on us, and no one came to the rescue. Whether it was when, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We never said this is wrong. Right, and that's what that's actually what the point was when my oldest was showing me that picture of Mount Nasty. Is they were saying that it's an example of using one group of marginalized people or oppressed people in some way Mm -hmm. to oppress others, to further this system of oppression. And that that's why we need a revolution. But, but that, and, and that's a reasonable point that that's something that it's one of the ways that the system twists our good intentions and twists like our righteousness is that it, it somehow encourages us to turn it on each other. You know, like, with the halftime show or right yeah and you you know we had two what i thought was interesting is that we had people that hate each other we had people on the far left and people on the far right focusing negative energy on these women this halftime show and the funny thing is most people are not friends with both so they can't see it so or they're blocked 
are they are they're blocked and i see them both and i'm sitting here going oh my god they're all saying the same damn thing but then you had some people that i mean for the most part though people were like oh my god that was that was awesome i don't care what you think yeah this is what i th- which was cool is it true that there was that her kid was in a cage and then came out like there was a border wall thing there was a border wall thing they were they were all these kids in cages yeah it was that was kind of that was kind of moving and then there was some kind of border wall thing on the ground there was a artistic rendering of wow. some kind of yeah it was kind of so they watched they were shaking their asses and the the white dudes or everybody else dudes in general were looking at that they were actually sneaking in they're actually trojan horsing uh commentary in there yeah so the other thing is i'm going to read you a paragraph from this because this is uh she she said the protests brought a rude and destructive presence that disturbed her older sons who told their parents they were afraid when they saw protesters dressed all in black picketing the booth they said it's just not the same anymore who is saying this this? is uh sarah die yeah, this is Sarah Dye. Um, it could be the person across from him, but I think it's Sarah. And it's, it's not entirely clear. And then it goes on about how much suffering Sarah had over the course of this and says, as the market season progressed, she and Mackie, I want to be really clear, it's Mackie is the last name, not McKees. Um, she and Mackie took turns staying home with the children. For the first time, they brought along friends to stand with them as they attended to customers. And I'll take a little break from reading there to point out that they also didn't point out that some of these friends friends are higher ups in the American identity movement. Th- three percenters. And then what's the guy? Diesel. Some guy. Yeah, Pete Di- Diesel or something. Pete Diesel, who ends up being a really, really bad dude. Bad dude. Bad dude. Yeah. Um, okay. But here's the next paragraph, though, and this is where I'm going. The couple discussed buying bulletproof vests. We seriously thought about ordering them, but we chose not to spend the money, Di said during a January interview. What kind of situation do we have here when farmers are thinking about wearing bulletproof vests to sell their vegetables? So that went out in the paper this morning. And then on Instagram, if you follow No Space for Hate, mm-hmm. they have a picture of the bulletproof vest of a woman of color vendor it's a lot to string into a sentence it's not working very well that she actually had hanging by the door to take because of the the games that the aim people have been playing with them since the beginning Mm -hmm. you know like driving by and being threatening and they always do it so that they're not quite breaking the law here she's talking about one time we thought about getting bulletproof vests, and this is someone who's had to go out and get one and and was not in here. You didn't see them anywhere in this. I mean. No, it's a terrible article. You, here, I'm going to read it. Oh, my God. I can read it. You can read it. You read. You can read. I indeed refuse. There exists no middle ground upon which to stand between the violent ideology of white supremacy or even separatism and peaceful coexistence of neighbors. But I think that's true. No, it's 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 true, but I don't... I was sad that they didn't reach out to Black Lives Matter. It looks like they were like, hey, let's get one person of color and let's get... Oh, ask the white man who's doing all this stuff. Because, <laughs> you know, they reached out. And, and he put something on there about how, you know, they, people keep the turning to him as like a leader and he's not. Which was nice. I think I actually posted that on, on yeah, his he, statement right, on Facebook. Right, and he, he did a good... He said it in here, too. 
It was the whole white savior complex thing that he was he's he's right and and it's other people that have it that just assume if there's a white guy in the in the story it must be the hero Mm -hmm. my youngest sang from hairspray a song Mm -hmm. for a solo contest this weekend and Mm -hmm. it was so sweet and lovely and i'm not but but one of the exercises that we did together when we watched the movie was we tried to see if we could rewrite it making inez the focus of it like it was all told from her point of view instead of making it like this this big thing about racism and the white girl is the you have ruined hairspray for me because you're absolutely (laughs) right it is a it is a white savior movie yeah i hadn't even or is it i don't i mean it's it's better wait 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 because wait wait okay She's advocating for... It's a feminist, love your body... Type thing. thing too, that I think is important. But and it does have her... Positive sexuality. Actually, Dagnabbit, she, is, she ends up being the white uh, savior in that, doesn't she? She doesn't win the contest, though. She's, she does step back so that so that Inez can win. But she stepped back. She But she already back. had done her big she dance. Saved, she got a She yeah. saved Inez. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know what I'm saying? Yes, she graciously stood back and Stood said, back and let the, yeah. yes. So. It's like the, the. Wow. The spoof of uh, Hidden Figures where the guy's like, I'll open the door for one of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Because you deserve to walk through a door. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> so, so tonight we learned a lot about how feminism and racism. Mm-hmm. We're gonna let you, the audience, put that all all yeah, our stream of thoughts together and just try to weave that together on your yeah. own. Because we just, I think we missed each other. We haven't seen each other forever, so we just like I boom. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about everything. Oh, I was gonna call you actually earlier. All right, so <laughs> it's like almost my bedtime now, so I'm really tired. So we're having our summit. We've been and we've been talking to Dr. Lashawn Williams, who's been here before. Dr. Maureen Walker is coming. Yeah. I've got to get in touch with Dr. Finger Wright, Dee Dee, and possibly Amy Banks, who who wrote Wired to Connect. Um, I just, I don't have it for sure from her yet, so I don't want to, like, brag too much. Uh-huh. Um, but that might make me, like, I don't even know if my feet are going to be able to reach the ground. I'm going to be so excited. Oh, my God, you're putting back the band. The, the band's, band's getting, getting back, back together. together. We're going to need a bigger boat. Floating around. We're going to need a bigger venue if you bring all those. <laughs> Honestly... If you brought all four of them together and yourself, man, that would be pretty big, right? Maybe. In your know. world of RCP or T or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's RCT. Those are those are all like those are big those are all big like having one is a big deal. But I, if I you love could them all. get yes. all of them having together. More. And I've got more like in my head. I just haven't Oh, you mean you got more? I've got more people that I want to ask. Is that a whole week? That's a whole week then. No, 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 no. Just that I think... (laughs) So it's the 14th through the 17th. And soon you could be watching out for a call for posters and presentations if you're interested in delving into some RCT stuff yourself and sharing it. But... (gasps) What? We could do a podcast every night. With oh, each of them, live God, podcast, not sleep live podcast <laughs> for each one. You you know what I'm saying? We could do a series fun. of those. Yeah, Dr. Lashawn Williams is going to be a regular guest on our podcast. 
but we thought it would be fun for her to start chatting with us on the podcast from time to time and get some freshness in here and she can that would be kind of cool yeah yeah so so what we're saying then is if you're listening to this and it is before the next week so what is it now it's the third of february if you're listening to this and it's not yet saturday after the third whatever day that is the seventh wow i'm math then send us your questions you can send them to the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook. You can at CC underscore Bloomington is our Twitter. You can also just search for Bloomington Center for Connection. All right. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKees, LCSW, took place in Bloomington, Indiana on Monday, February 3rd, 2020, and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKees. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your racist friend. Wow, somebody had processing disorders, like <laughs> dyslexia, you have just ruined their whole day with that, you know, the second Sunday before the first Sunday. You have just messed all that up. They are just sitting there like they're in they're they're in a corner just rocking back and forth. <laughs>